do you know? Now, we live in a place. Look around. Some of it's really beautiful. Some of it is, is a great tip. You know, I don't know if you, how, how many of you guys like to go on vacation and go to different places? I, I love traveling. I absolutely love traveling. Um, that would be the one thing I would do. Uh, I don't need stuff. I'm not interested in owning a bunch of stuff, but I would love to travel because uh, I love seeing new places and experiencing different cultures and different things, seeing different things. And I have got to travel in my life, and I really enjoyed it. Um, but we get to see what God made out there, and it's, it's some incredible things. And, and it's not always good, though, not always good, but, but God made this place for us. That's what it says in Scripture, that God made this place to house us. And so we see our culture taking a different view. So outside of the biblical worldview is a cultural worldview that says, no, 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 we see this thing that we're living on, this little blue marble that's out in space called Earth, as something different. And the whole, in fact, the whole universe is something different. You guys and Christians are just, this is some sort of a myth made up to try to, to understand how things got here and, and give it some purpose. And, but, but really, it's not how it happened. So we're going to take a look at both, as we have been throughout this series, what does the world's view of the world, meaning those outside Christianity, and then what does the Bible have to say, and how do we apply those truths to our everyday life? Okay. So how did it get here? That's one of the things that's the big question, right? How, how did we all get here? How did this thing get here? Was it billions of years after the Big Bang that God put it all together, or that not no God, that, that it just all came together, happenstance would be as ridiculous as saying that just happened because a bunch of pens accidentally fell off the shelf and this is what came out. Who's in control? Is there anything that's actually in control? I mean, if, this, if, if, if the worldview is that this just happened by itself, then really nobody's in control. It's just, it's just kind of ordered chaos for now, and there's nobody that's looking over this. There's no big plan. It's just working itself out, however, survival of the fittest, and there's no real point to it. There's no real start to it. There's no real end to it. And if it's, if it's, okay, we see it, and, and maybe it's broken because man broke it, but get, since man broke it, man can fix it. How many of you have heard a bunch of things recently like that? You know, I mean, we'll just say, how are we going to, we broke it, man is actually, you, you recognize, oh my gosh, I wish I would have, I didn't write it down, but there's a group of people out there that basically think, the only hope that this world has is to get rid of all the people. Yeah. That's their goal. We need to just get rid of the people because they've destroyed the world, and they're destroying the world, and we need, they're the problem, and we just need to get rid of them. And it's worshiping the creation instead of the creator. And, and that is a, that's a problem. And God talks about it in, in Romans chapter 1. 
So that's out there, that, that view that, 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 that things are more important. You know, I'll get into this later, but I, I'm, I'm trying not to be political. I'm trying not to get into, uh, you know, one particular viewpoint or of a party or anything like that. But, but these are real issues, and we're going to talk about some of these. How are people doing that, specifically doing that? If it's broken, we can fix it. So, and what is our primary duty towards this place that we live in? What, are we, what is God expecting us as Christians to do with what he's given us here? You know, is it more important than people? Is it more important than, than, than in anything? Uh, is it not important at all? What are we supposed to, how are we supposed to view this thing that God's given us to live in? Why is it so hard to live in? Why is this world so hard? I mean, floods and famines and earthquakes and fires and, and uh, you know, all the bad stuff that just seems to come from this world. How did that happen? Why, why is it so hard? And, you know, and there's an ex- explanation for that. We're going to look at it. Why is it that it's so hard to live in this world that God gave us? I mean, couldn't you have done a better job, God? Do we really need all the trouble that happens here? And then what's its future? You know, you can see that the culture has a view of what's going on here. Well, you know, if we just can square ourselves away, it's just going to go on forever, right? Or if we don't get our act together, then man is going to pollute the thing or we're going we're to destroy it with a nuclear Armageddon or whatever it is, you know, it's all dependent on how we behave. What's going to happen in in the future, in the future of the universe that we live in? So, that's what we're going to talk about. Here's the world's view. The earth came into being without God. There's no creation. This just happened. It was the Big Bang, and then it took billions and billions and billions of years to actually get to this point, and and, and things had to be in a certain way, and we had to be at a certain tilt from the sun and a certain distance from the sun, and it it all just happened, and since those conditions actually existed, then it created an environment where life was possible, and these Carbon organisms kind of came together and over billions and billions of years evolved into a a, a simple life form and that evolved into a more complex life form. And and finally, here it is and we have the Kardashians. Okay. Then there's the thought that our world is what we make of it, right? It, you know, we, we're, we're in charge of this thing, and we need to create this kind of utopian thing and get rid of all the famines and figure out how to deal with all the weather conditions that we've got. And we can just fix this place if we just work hard enough at it. If we just raise everybody up, we can create an environment where everything is good. And we have to worship Mother Earth and because she is sacred and she is the most important. And so if that means that at some point it's a detriment to people, so be it. Because what's really important is, is Mother Earth. And, and there are those out there that are worshiping Mother Earth. You know, the Wiccans and there are other people. But um, 
Is this my, is this my time? Should we talk about this? Um, so so I'll, I'll talk about it now. Global warming. Crisis. Three words. They've taken global warming, crisis. Crisis is a a thing. Global warming is a thing. Let's combine these two things, and when we can scare people enough about that, we can find a way to have power and an agenda that puts us in the driver's seat, and we can manipulate things that are happening. So, this is a controversial topic, but, but here's, here's what is true about it. So I don't know whether you believe that there's global warming or not, but there is. Um, but guess what? It's happened before. There was global cooling. It's happened before. Um, is the environment warming? Yes, it is. Is it warming more so since the burning of carbon fuel for energy? Yes, it is. Okay, but, but here's, here's what's being proposed by the world, the World Economic Conference that's taking global warming, and they have instituted measures that are going to stop global warming, and the net result of that will be that those that are the have-nots in the world are going to be eliminated. They will no longer be able to afford energy. They will no longer be able to grow food, and that will be the cost of what's being proposed by the world to deal with global warming, which basically is saying the world is more important than the people. That is out there. And that's just one form of it. That's just one form of it. Now, are we supposed to take care of what God gave us? Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit. But, but, but there is a feeling out there of a, 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 a cultural view that this is the most important thing. And, you know, if it is a crisis, now, you can, you can look at the science. Uh, I was challenged. Eh, I don't want to get too far into this. I was challenged a long time ago, and this is, this is who I am. Um, I, mean, I have a son uh, named Jamie, and um, we, when we get together, we talk philosophically about the world and what's going on. And uh, different topics come up, and this one came up, and, and I had been listening to a, a certain set of scientists that were telling me that global warming was nonsense, and there, there's a, a, a move from the right, political right, that's just saying, you know, this is all just nonsense, and, and it's just a, a way to manipulate you. And so, so I, I spent, I won't even tell you how many hours, researching it, because my son's challenging me. You know, Dad, that this is true. There is global warming, and sure enough, there is. Okay. But the crisis being attached to it, the crisis word being attached to it, is not true. And, and, it, and it is a political manipulation. Um, and so, <clears throat> as my point is, that there is a truth, right? And, but there is a thought process by the world to take these kinds of things and using fear-mongering and people's worship of the creation instead of the creator to manipulate. Okay, so we have to know, what is the true stance? And I have to go to the authority of Scripture 
to understand where am I supposed to stand on this thing? This is affecting me. It could affect you. We have a governor here that wanted to, to, to I mean, this is the absolute most important thing that any people can do right now is we need to deal with global warming because if we don't, 50 years from now, we're all going to be underwater. And, and, oh, and by the way, I have programs to fix this. Keep me in power, please. So I need to know, as, as a Christian, as these things come up in society, in our culture, and they make the news, what does the Bible have to say about the world we live in? Things like that. Okay, so. Humans want to be in control. The presence of evil in the world has nothing to do with God or Satan. It's just a result of survival of the fittest. And this whole thing is going to go on forever unless we mess it up too bad. Okay, that's the, that's the worldview of the world. What's God have to say? This is not going to be news to any of you, right? What is the very first thing Christians are going to say? If you, how did we get here? In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God. Even more miraculous. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Do you realize that God created everything out of nothing? Because only God could do that. And so I got into these, you know, here, back, I'm back in my, uh, I got to understand the bigger picture thing. And I went to, I think I mentioned this to you guys before, I went to a, a presentation from another church, and it was three weeks long. And it was a Christian astrophysicist explaining how the world took 14.3 billion years to become the place that it is now so that it was inhabitable by humans. And he was a Christian. He, he was a world-renowned astrophysicist who became a Christian later on in his life and he was trying to reconcile the science background that he had with his Christianity. And he was saying, well, it isn't really created in seven or six days. And, and, you know, and it just says that. And, and, but, but, yeah, it was God. But, but he used the process of evolution over 14.3 billion years to get it to the point where humans could actually live on it, and he gave you all kinds of evidence and information and science uh, to, to, to prove and support his view. After the three weeks, it was like, well, I think it was an hour and a half every week. We get together on a Wednesday night. I think I told you this. So we go through the whole thing, and, and then we start having these discussions. And these people are just, I mean, they're really, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's probably right. And, and I, yeah, when you're saying that, like, and I just sat there. And, and normally I'm very, very vocal, as you guys might know. I, I talk a lot. And I wasn't saying anything for the whole three weeks. I'm sitting there. I hardly said a word. So finally somebody says, Tim, come on. What do you think about this? I said, well, I only have one 
observation, and that is, look, I don't care what he says. How does it match up with Scripture? Where am I going to go? I mean, either, either it matches up with Scripture or it's, or it's wrong. And so I don't care about his science. I don't care how many degrees he has. I don't care how long he's been studying this or how smart he is. He's using man's wisdom to try to determine biblical truth, and it's the opposite way around. You use God's truth to explain what's happening in our world. God says he made it in six days out of nothing. Now, I know that doesn't make sense in science, but you tell me, where did the whole thing start? Well, it started when this matter came together. Well, where did that come from? Well, it came from, well, where did that come from? Well, we can't explain that. Yeah, that's right, because in the beginning, God created it out of nothing. And if he wanted to create it with a, with a obvious age, he could have done that. I don't know. He created Adam as an adult. I don't know, but what I do know is the Bible says he created. I believe it's, it was a six-literal day. Now, I know there's other Christians that believe, okay, well, there's a gap theory, and it wasn't really a day until the sun. And, but remember, Chris was telling us about that, and he said, hey, there was, there was night and there was day before there was a sun. And so I believe God gave us a story. I believe it's true. I don't think it's metaphorical. I don't think it's legend. I don't think it's myth. I think God says, look, I did this. I'm going to give you some information. Some of it is over your head. But I'm going to tell you this is what I did, and this is why I did it, and I created it a certain way for you. I don't care what society says. I don't care what culture says. I am not, I don't get into, and I know there are some, some great Ministries out there, uh, Answers in Genesis by Ken, Ken Ham. Have you seen that? You know, the whole ark thing. And he has all this. How do you know, where were dinosaurs? And how does evolution, you know, how do we explain that biblically and all that? So I'm not trying to do that. But what I am trying to tell you is the Bible tells us the truth of how we got here. And the world is working its best to contradict that. Why? Why do you think that is? Because they don't want there to be a God that they have to answer to. They don't want there to be a standard of right and wrong that's determined by the Creator. They don't want to be accountable to some mythical, mystical, spiritual being that isn't here. They want to rule the world. They want to be the God of this world. Because that's what broken human beings do. We were created with all this capacity to do things and then none of the character to do it the way it was supposed to be done. And so man wants to be in control. And so he's trying to re-explain how we got here so that we can put ourselves in the seat of authority and take God out. But we know better because the Bible tells us, nope, God created the world for a purpose out of nothing. Okay, people, creation was created for people, not people for creation. <clears throat> Oops, I, might have, I need to go back. No, nope, I did the other one. I don't nothing. Okay, so here's this one. The creation is for people, people not for creation. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. 
Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and every living thing that moves on earth. God said, I created this for you. You have dominion over it. I did not create you for this. I created this for you. And I'm giving you dominion over it. That's what the Bible says. Instead of, no, 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 what we need to worship is the creation. People are here, and they're just lucky to be here. But what we really need to do is act and worship what has been made to make sure that it, we can sustain it. And that's not God's intent here. Now, well, we are going to talk about what are we supposed to do. Okay, so here we are looking at this thing. No worshiping Mother Earth. What about the consequences of the things that men are doing? You know, I mean, even... Say that. Good stewardship of what we're given is not worship. We are supposed to be good stewards of everything that God gives us, right? To the glory of God, but we're not here to worship the creation instead of the creator. So are we supposed to take care of the earth? Absolutely. Are we supposed to be obsessed, though, that it is the most important thing? That, that even if, no matter what we have to do to preserve it, even if it kills off thousands or millions of people, so what? doesn't matter. The most important thing is, this is it. No, that's not what God says. And in fact, he's going to take care of it and, and, and burn it all later. Okay, so our world and all the creation was broken and cursed by sin. Why is life so hard? Adam said, and to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, isn't that a problem? No. <laughs> and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed now is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, and you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And then in Romans 8, 19 to 21, for the whole creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Did you realize that everything that was created, the creation, the universe was cursed when man sinned, that sin came and not only broke human beings, but broke the world that we live in. And there's another side that's out there that's saying, no, 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 we can fix this problem. And, and the problem of evil is not because everything is broken. The problem of evil is just because the people are like they are. And if we just make people think better and act better, we can fix all these problems. And the Bible says, no, you're broken not only are you broken, but everything you live in is broken. And that's part of the consequences in my plan. So how are we supposed to deal with it? Well, we have hope, right? Number one, that 
This is all going to get fixed. But we actually understand that everything is under God's control, that he made this, and the brokenness of our world is still under the control of God. And so we don't have to have, you know, we don't have to sacrifice babies to the sun god so we'll have a nice harvest. We recognize that this is part of God's plan, that we live in a place that's broken, and yet the hope we have is that through Christ we can still have the abundant life here and hope for the improved life when God comes back and fixes it all. And so we don't have to have have concern. We don't have to be anxious like the rest of the world. We don't have to wonder, well, what's going to happen if this flood happens or what happens if there's going to... You know, we hear this all the time. You know, the big one is going to hit the Seattle area and the entire West Coast is going to drop into the ocean. Oh, my goodness, what are we going to do about that? What's that? Yeah, that's right. I don't worry about that. That's in God's hands. But is it, is it possible? Sure, because we live in a broken world. And bad stuff happens. And places flood. And people have famines and don't have enough food. And it's all part of God's plan for this earth until he comes back to redeem it. And so it says right here, and this kind of almost, it almost like makes you think that the, that the world has a, you know, the creation has a, a mind or a, a, it, it, creation itself will be set free because it was, it was subjected to futility, not because of him who subjected but in hope. So, um, but creation is longing to be fixed. See, we were not built or designed for this. God created us in a perfect world, and we broke it. But one day he's going to fix it. So instead of trying to worry about what might happen in this broken world and, and lose all hope and be anxious all the time, we just have to give it all to God and recognize that it's all part of his plan and recognize that he's still in control, regardless of how chaotic the circumstances of this world might seem. How do you deal with the pandemic? How do you deal if it was one of your loved ones that was killed in a tornado? God says, this is, this, this is broken. Bad things are going to happen, but I'm still in control. Your hope is in me, not in trying to fix your environment. Okay, this world is our temporary home. This is our view according to Scripture. Don't get too comfortable here. Okay. In fact, the Bible tells us if the world hates you, know that it's hated me before it hated you. For if you were of this world, the world would love you as your own. But because you are not of this world, I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Okay. So here we are. We live in a world that hates us. Get over it. It's going to. God tells us it's going to. But it is our temporary home. Okay, waiting, in, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So here we are. We live in a place. It's, it's not everything. It, this is our temporary home. At some point, God's going to come and evaporate it all. It's all going to burn. Everything that you have is stored up here. It says, how futile is that? So where is my mind supposed to be? Where am I supposed to be thinking? <laughs> right? If this is my temporary home, don't get too attached. You're aliens here. 
have the mindset that, yes, I'm supposed to serve God. Yes, I'm supposed to be doing his will while I'm here. But this is not my eternal destiny. This is just a temporary place where God works out in me what he needs to do in this life until he brings me to the next one. And so constantly our hope needs to be in the next phase. And we need to have that security. I go back to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 7, 3 through 8, where it talks about our inheritance and it talks about that it can never fade or perish and that God is keeping it for us. And but in this world, while necessary, you will encounter trials, but in these things you rejoice, knowing that your hope is in God. We have to have the correct perspective of what this world and this life is all about. Yes, it's hard. But it's only temporary. That's the view that the Bible tells us to have. Okay, we are not to love the things of this world. <clears throat> Do not love the things of this world, according to 1 John 2, 15 through 17. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. This is a hard one. It's very easy for us to get wrapped up into the things of this world, isn't it? I mean, we live here. We live here and we're challenged all the time to get this and you'll get what you need. Achieve this. Store up this, then you can take care of all of the problems that might rise. If you just can accumulate enough stuff and your focus is on this world and, 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 and how many people like me and how do I look and all the things of this world, if only you could project yourself out another hundred years, you'd say, how ridiculous was that? Because none of that stuff is going to matter. And there's only going to be one thing. God says, store up treasures in heaven, not on earth where moth come and, 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 and rodents and, and things rot. Where is your treasure? Are we looking at the world the way the world looks at it, or are we looking at the world the way God tells us to? Don't get too comfortable here. It's all going to be gone. Now, you know, we have this total accumulated existence of the universe from the time God created till the time Jesus comes back and it rolled up like a scroll. But in our own life, this is it. This is our, this is our shot, right? We're going to live here in this little earth, you know, maybe a hundred years or something if we're not lucky. I say that's unlucky, but um, a very short period of time. And while you're here, recognize that if you're one of God's, you don't belong here. It's not about here. It's not, it's not about who you are here. It's about who you are because of God. And that's a hard one for us because the things of this world are so constant in our face and so tempting for us to submit to the things of this world. But it's very, I want to say, it's, it's very um, peace-giving when you can recognize that the things of this world don't really matter. And that, that God says, you can, you can live for me and forget about the things of this world and you're still going to get all the things you need for an abundant life if you just understand that I am the source of those things and when you try to satisfy them through the world, it's never going to work. 
And so our view is, I'm here, it's my temporary home, and I'm here as an ambassador for Christ, but my true home is still coming, and no one can take that away. Hopefully that gives you confidence. All right. So, not to love the things of this world, but guess what? Satan is alive and well on planet Earth. Here we are, and we're living in the world, and we, you know, it, it, the, the world is saying, hey, we can fix this problem, and, and what God is saying is, guess what? Who has temporary dominion? The devil. That's a weird thing to think of, isn't it? You know, did, did man voluntarily give up the dominion that God gave him when he sinned? Kind of. Because, because now there's a new thing called the prince of this world, And I don't think we totally understand what is going on behind the scenes, but here in this world, he's called the prince of this world. And that you're either a follower of Christ or you're a follower of his. There's no no other options. You either belong to God or you belong to the devil. And he's alive and well, and it's difficult. And he is creating problems for us. And the only way to fix that is when God comes and takes him out of the way but in the meantime, we, we know that he who's within me is greater than he who's in the world. And so we can look at it and understand that, yes, there is a spiritual battle going on, but we are ultimate victors, and that's what we have to hang on to. Even though there may be temporary victories here where you can see the different things that have happened, where I believe Satan was behind it, and just like he was when he was, was um, bringing all the problems into Job, God allowed it to happen. But in the end, God will be victorious. That is our hope. All right, so most of the worldview things are there because man wants to be in control. He wants to be the God of his own world, the God of his own life. But in fact, God is in complete control of all things. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Who's in control? God is. So here we are on this little marble called earth, and we're all concerned and worried about how it's going to work out and how we play a part and how we can feather our own little nest to make sure that everything is comfortable for us. But we need to recognize that it's broken, but God's in control. Maybe because of technology and the information age that we live in, it's very easy to be anxious about what we see. It's, it's, I'm not going to say it's great to have your head in the sand, but it's very difficult to watch the news these days and not be discouraged and depressed about how bad man has become. But have this hope that it's all under God's rule. And it, you know, it, it tells us in Scripture that in the end, people are going to, to, to call evil good and good evil. That's happening. But it doesn't mean that God has lost control. So here we are in an environment that's very painful, very sinful, very broken. And yet God still says, I'm giving you hope so that you can have peace and joy today. What's your view of your world?
How do you see the things around you? Do you see them with the hope of Scripture? Or have you fallen for the despair that is happening in the world? And it is, it's, it's epidemic. It's epidemic. The levels of despair and depression because people are seeing the consequences of a world that has rejected God. But we have hope. Don't be sucked in. Let's pray. Um, dear Father, we, we're living in your world. You created it. And, and there's no question about it. At times, it's very painful. And it seems like it's chaotic. It seems like chaos reigns everywhere, both in nature and in man. And, and yet we have the hope that you've given us in your word, that you are the God who loves us, that you're working all things together for the good of those who love you, who've been called. We see that you have both the beginning and the end already played out and that we're living somewhere in that point in time, but that everything that's out there is being controlled by the God who saved us and loves us. Lord, help us not to fall into despair, but to hang on to the hope that we have, that you created this for us and that you're coming back for us again. Help us, Lord, to rejoice in that, even though temporarily we have to live here. We thank you and praise you, Lord, for all of those things. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.